We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up? The trade deadline approaches. Yes, we are right around the corner, a couple days away, probably by the time you listen to this. Um, and the Nets are likely to make a move. So we're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, what do you want to jump into first? Should we start with the Mikhail Bridges stuff, Nick? Because that's the one, the talking point that seems to be going around quite a bit right now in terms of the Rockets and their offer. There's obviously rumors every day about DFS and how many firsts the Nets were going to take for him and Royce and Spencer. But it seems to me the one that is the, the big kahuna that could change the trajectory of the franchise is all these offers and now Houston getting into the, the Mikel Bridges sweepstakes. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about the Mikel Bridges stuff, we've heard three or four times in the, the last maybe two months that Mikel Bridges isn't getting traded. You know, I think that's pretty interesting. Usually here once or twice, you know, it just seems like a little bit much, especially Houston, you know, talking about willing to send Nets picks back. You know, I think that's always something when there's a little bit more detail, it feels like there's a little bit more credence sometimes. So I think that's pretty interesting. And obviously, it doesn't seem like the Nets are going to trade Mikel Bridges, but I think, you know, going to the deadline, we probably would have said maybe 1% chance. Now that feels more like 5 to 10%, maybe even a little bit higher as the day the days approach, just because of, you know, where the Nets are at and how aggressive Houston wants to be in terms of trying to acquire him. Yeah, that it was like he's priority number one on their list in terms yeah. of acquiring. You know, he could, you could just see him fit seamlessly alongside Ima Udoka. That seems to be like Ima Udoka speaking to Kelly Ego and all the other reporters are around there. So, and look, I think a, a lot of Nets fans were like, "Here, you have this to, this opening to to reset the franchise." But immediately, as I was hearing and seeing everyone and, and their varying opinions, I'm just like. I go back to the Brian Lewis piece, retool rather than rebuild. Yeah. And as frustrating as that is, and we've spoken about that individually together, that's just what it feels like the Nets are going to be doing. Like just, it's almost like we need to you know, make your beds and be comfortable with it in terms of the fact that this is where the Nets want to go. They want to go star hunting, semi-star hunting, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, use those picks that they they have from Phoenix and, and a Philly one to strike something in 24 or, or 25 when Ben Simmons' number comes off the book. So I, and then, you know, you look at, you know, is that the right decision? Look, I don't personally think it is because I don't think that there is 
that disgruntled star that is the high level guy of a an Embiid, a Doncic, whoever else you want to sort of throw in there that could be available. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that the safer route, a more traditional route that that builds superstar, you know, long term winning teams is through the draft. And I get it, this year's draft isn't amazing, but I just think the route of doing things the homegrown way is a safer bet. But I'm not sure, Marks. I'm not Joe Sy, and part of me is is glad that I'm not given all the vitriol they've gotten of late. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if Houston's offering back your picks and some young players, and they're willing to probably overpay a little bit for Mikel Bridges, I think you have to entertain it just because you could look at what's the outlook and the ceiling of this team, and how many other things do you need to go right for to work out. You know, now if you acquire some of your picks back, that gives you a little bit of a cushion and flexibility in terms of moving forward with the moves you're going to make. So. It's pretty interesting in terms of, you know, the outlook, but also, you know, I think, like you said, based off of what we've heard from Joe Sy and all those different things in the past, he wants to be competitive. He wants a retool rather than a rebuild. So Mikel is likely to still be here. You know, I think there's still a chance they could trade off some other guys and land first round picks and, you know, not necessarily rebuild, but at least have more draft capital to take swings in the draft and potentially trade up. So we'll see how it all plays out, but I wouldn't expect Mikel Bridges to be traded, but it wouldn't be the craziest thing to come across, you know, uh, from a or Shams, whatever, over the next couple of days. Yeah, and the thing is, the, the retool rather than rebuild thing somewhat frustrates me because you know, we're halfway, over halfway through the season right now, and the Nets are 11th. Like, yeah. and it's just like, like, how much are you retooling here to become an average team that's going to be in the plan from 7 to 10? The Nets, like if they get a DeJounte, they offload DFS and or Royce and Spencer, like how much better are they going to be to be like that sort of average-ish team? And it's just, and especially given how weak the East has been, like the Bulls of late have been firing, you know, under the likes of like Kobe White and giving him the opportunities. You know, Atlanta have been in and out, in and out. Jalen Johnson has been a nice little bright spark for them. And Trey Young is, you know, a, an all-star caliber player. Where are the Nets? Like the Nets are just like, feel like they're a run below that and making yeah. moves to get and better. And that's a pretty bad which space I, to be. <laughs> that's an awful space to be, Nick. So like if you're already closer to being, you know, the Wizards, the Hornets, those sort of teams in the East, then and the Pistons, probably not the Pistons, but, you know, you understand where I'm sort of saying that sort of lower tier. And you're given the opportunity to like go back into there, then why not do it? Like give the case to Cam Thomas, let him thrive, let, let let him showcase his opportunities. You know, give some opportunities to Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney, those sort of guys. It just feels like to me the Nets aren't even considering it, and there's a sense of rigidity and stubbornness from whether it's Joe Sy or Sean, or Sean Marks or both. I think it's more likely to be Joe Sy, to be honest, because I think he's the guy that makes the decision and tells Sean Marks what he's got to do. Go the whole thing. New York can't handle a rebuild, all that sort of bullshit. I, I don't buy into that. I just think that that's him trying to spin things in a way that makes fans believe, you know, the, the sort of stuff that we that we read from the likes of Brian Lewis and other reporters. So, I just think that discounting this opportunity seems somewhat rash and you know, a, a little bit misguided, but you know, there's been plenty of those sort of decisions that Sean Marks and the Nets franchise have made over the past couple of years, to be fair. Yeah, and I mean, it could work out in the opposite direction. They could keep Mikel Bridges, land down with Mitchell this summer, and then feel good about the team they have and have you know some promise moving forward. Even though that's probably not a championship team, you're probably closer to one move away from being one of those teams, depending on you know what happens with the draft picks, how many have to move, and all that stuff. Or like you said, you know, free agency 2025. 
if I had a guess, it feels like the Nets are going to end up somewhere in between. You know, they're not going to trade Mikel Bridges. They're going to trade some other guys, land some first-round picks, end up playing Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney, Cam Thomas Moore, uh, and then, you know, take some swings in the draft. And now over this summer, swing for a trade for a star again. You know, maybe that's Donovan Mitchell, maybe that's somebody else, but I think they'll be aggressive and they'll have a better idea of who they have with this team. And also, I think... If they do go with that plan, there'll be a great benefit of playing Cam Thomas, Jalen Wilson, Noah Clowney a lot more because you'll have an idea of who they can be for you next season. Yeah, it just feels like over the the, the deadline to sort of decide this sort of trajectory is like six months to a year and a half. And over that time at the Nets, like continue to sort of peter around and sort of hang around that sort of you know, mediocre average sort of timeline, average sort of trajectory. It's just like, come on, man, like you had the opportunity. And I think that it's almost positive in a way that we're getting all of these leaks, all of these reports from from varying outlets and very incredible outlets yeah. because it allows the fans to be like, hey, you had this opportunity, Sean Marks, Josiah, whoever, you made a mistake and allows us fans to sort of could have had so many better decisions here. You had so many different routes you could have taken taken these are the routes that work and what could have should have will be done uh time will tell and i think that that's a it's almost a good thing that we're hearing all this despite the fact that i think the nets are trying to keep things somewhat hush 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 other teams and and are sort of putting the spotlight on the nets in terms of their players and go here we are we offered you two two first rounders for dfs here we offered you four first round picks for Mikael Bridges. Here we offered all your first round picks back and a Jalen Green or whoever else for for Mikael Bridges. It's just like if those now obviously there's probably a bit of you know gloss on that and that you you, yeah, you read into it what you the DFS report I think is clearly based off of last year. I think because we've had clear reports that if they've gotten two first round picks this year, they would accept it. But obviously, in hindsight, should they have accepted one of those trades? It's hard to know what the draft picks are. And the four first for Mikel were from Memphis last year, just to clarify. And like you said, Houston, we know they've offered, it was reported they'd offered several first round picks. So we don't even know which ones, but any of them are super valuable to the Nets just because of the flexibility they could offer. So, and like you said, this based off reporting, this is probably the second time they've re- maybe the third time actually they've received good offers from Mikel Bridges. You have last year at the deadline, you understand them not taking that. They have at the draft, we have reports from potentially Portland, don't know if that was ever true. Then we also have reports again from Memphis and Houston, and now we're getting reports about Houston again. So I think it's pretty interesting in terms of. There, there's a lot of smoke around other teams wanting Mikel Bridges for good reason. You know, he's a great third piece to a championship team, maybe second piece in the right situation just because he could fit in with essentially any team in the NBA. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, and he's been playing great lately. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we need to acknowledge that like the way that he's been playing is, is closer to the, the version of Mikael Bridges that we saw in the latter points of, of the 22-23 season where he was like letting that three ball f- fly. The pull-up was there. He was driving. It was getting to the free throw line. His defense was was a little bit better. I, th- I still think that that has uh, some ways to go. But in saying that, he's been playing like a, a an all-star. And the fact that he hasn't made this all-star team in, in the East, I think sort of says like you know he's not he's in the run that's maybe within like a Paolo Banquero and a, whoever else you sort of want to throw in that Trey Young where it's just like fringe sort of all-star status but if you're getting those high level offers for a fringe all-star it's just like we always say you know what is the package being offered and you weigh those things up and if the package is favoring the nets you take it despite the fact that I think that there is a semblance of Josiah Shaw must be like, man, Mikael Bridges is that perfect sort of guy you want to have in a franchise. You know, the, the vibes are good. He's a good culture setter, all those different things. But and a good compliment at the to end another of the, star. A great compliment to another star. One of the perfect compliments. It's like Paul George, I think, is the best compliment to another star that you can have out there. But Mikael Bridges is probably in the tier two of, of guys that uh, are in that sort of realm. But I just think that if you are an NBA franchise owner, if you are the GM of an NBA franchise, your job is to make the hard decisions. Yeah. And this is a hard decision to like look beyond yourself, look beyond your own and and weigh everything up. Now I'm sure Sean Marks is probably doing that, but I do think, and, and this is probably just me reading tea leaves that we see day after day and, and hear from specific reporters. It's just like, I think a lot of this is being Joe site led. And it's, and, and that is unfortunate because Joe Sykes saw, okay, well, we got those yes ratings. We got, we sold out those season ticket holders. Kevin Durant was back and we sort of saw like, okay, that's what got me the the stuff in my pocket. That's what helped me you know, increase the, the value of this franchise. Whereas I think the trajectory of rebuilding, while it would be painful for for maybe a short to, to medium term, it would be the, the long-term payoff that I think would make the most sense. Now, is it, are you likely to be a Pistons where you get all these picks and you still falter? Yeah, that's a possibility. But I think that the Nets have, you know, some quality. And I think Sean Marks as a drafter is someone that I do back and his draft team. So I think that's the route that they should be taking. And the fact that they have opportunities to do that 
I'm 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 glad that they're being presented. You know, the, the fact that you know come next year, are those offers still gonna be there for Mikhail Bridges? Look, maybe, but as time goes by, that value dwindles and dwindles because his contract gets closer to expiring. So I think that the opportunity is there. There's plenty of opportunities, as you've alluded to, around Spencer Dimity, Dorian Finney Smith, Royce O'Neill, possibly Nick Claxton as well, who keeps to be brought up by varying reporters as well, like Mark Stein. So there's opportunities there. The ones that the Nets do strike on and 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 pounce on will be intriguing. You know, in a week's time when we listen to this and and revisit it, it'll be intriguing to see where the Nets stand and, and what the makeup of the team and franchise is. Yeah, and I guess one more note on the Houston Mikel stuff. I think obviously a lot depends on the player they'd be willing to maybe send back, you know, or players, you know, to match salary and all that. You know, it seems like the Nets don't have much interest in Jalen Green. So who else would they be willing to offer? You know, I think that'd be a good discussion too. And I think, you know, Jalen Green is obviously still has a lot of potential, hasn't really worked out well in Houston, but maybe you could even find a third team that might be more interested in him. Obviously, you know, similar skill set to Cam Thomas to an extent in terms of being a, you know, score first guy. But Jack, which other Nets player do you want to talk about in terms of trade stuff? Look, I think we go to DFS, Nick, because I think that there are continuing to be strong murmurings around his status and the amount of teams that are after his services, it seems to me is almost like half of the league. I think I saw like six to eight teams that were reported, like the Bucks, the Suns, the Mavericks, um, the the Thunder. There's like so many goddamn teams that it's hard to sort of keep up with. Now, I think his he has the most value because of uh, one, his play, one, his role, like in the prototype 3 and D role player, but also his contract because you've got a little bit of control. You're not paying for like an inspiring. He's still got a, is it one year left on his deal, Nick? Two years, 14.9 and 15.3 if you're including, you know, this season as well. Well, actually, no, not including yes. this season. And in 25-26, it is a player option, which will probably, you know, decline given, you know, he's due for way more money if he's still, you know, playing at a high level, depending on age and injury and all those things. So, yeah, you look at at least one more deal you have left on that deal, which is something as a team that you're looking for if you're contending. Like if you're the Thunder, if you're the Bucks, if you're whoever else, it's like, man, we've got this guy and we're going to have him for next year. The Mavericks, obviously, will be clamoring for him to come back. But I don't know, throw in Josh Green maybe and, and the Nets will consider it. But in, in saying that, it, it's more than likely than not that I think we see DFS offloaded to some other team in the East or West. Do you think, Nick? Yeah, they said DFS or Royce will pretty much be moved. One of those guys, and obviously, as you mentioned, Dorian Finney-Smith has had you know more suitors, and obviously, is more attractive as a better player has another year on that contract, and you know can just do a lot. I think a lot of the Western Conference teams, you know, I think the strongest interest has probably come from the Lakers, the Heat, the Bucks, uh, the OKC Thunder, and the Sacramento Kings. You know, I think those are teams that have been tied pretty strong to him, and they all you know, have probably the avenue other than the Bucks to really acquire him. And maybe the Bucks could even get creative, you know, with something. Yeah. And look, then you'd have to throw in those like billion seconds that they, they have um, to sort of look. We saw Stephen Adams go for three seconds you know, to, to Houston. Now the nature of those seconds, we, we don't totally know yet. I'm not sure if it's been reported, but that's something I think more likely that Royce O'Neal's yeah. going to go for. I, I, like, I think it'd be his step. Status as a, a role player is closer to a Stephen Adams, where I think DFS is a high level guy. Like you and can make the report is that yeah, like, are asking two first. Uh, yeah, and look, you, you always set the bar high, 
And if you you know, I think the ultimate trade partner would be someone like OKC, who has yep. a plethora of picks, as well as some young talent. You know, Usman Jang, Trey Man, or Case of Mollis is the dream, but it's not happening. So I think that you look to what all the packages, you know, the Nets could garner, and you strike on it. And I would be surprised if the Nets don't. But I've also been plenty surprised about the Nets and their lack of moves at different points in time. I think that. Maybe it's not DFS that gets moved. Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie is the more likely one. And given his level of play and the, the strong rumors around him and that sort of DeJounte Murray, D'Lo, Spencer Dinwiddie three-way sort of deal, that one seems maybe it could be more likely. And look, DFS is going to retain some value. So if, if the Nets are going to be that sort of team that wants to be pretty good-ish, DFS is the guy that you probably want to retain and you'd probably rather offload a Royce and a Spencer, and that allows more time for the likes of Jalen Wilson and some of the young guys to to contribute. So, yeah, maybe DFS isn't the one because he, he has the most value. And if the Nets don't get you know quality compensation for him in some sort of trade, maybe you're retaining him. Yeah, I think also another maybe not best case, but a good case scenario for the Nets is a team wants two of these guys. You know, maybe it's you know we heard the report about the Lakers having interest in Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. You know, there's a way to make those contracts work and send all those guys over, and maybe you get a nice you know future Lakers first from that, and they send you you know Jalen Huchifino and then Delos a salary filler in that one. Or also you know OKC has had interest in Dorian Finney-Smith. There's also rumblings they've had interest in Nick Claxton. You know, if you could send Dorian Finney-Smith and Nick Claxton to OKC now you're talking about getting some maybe real first round picks back that have good value so i think there's a scenario where the nets can package these guys together even royce o'neill and dorian finney smith in a deal i think teams could have interest in that really solidifying their wing depth and adding veterans so there's multiple avenues for them to really have a good trade deadline and still be quote-unquote competitive yeah definitely i, I think it I just came up with a fun exercise on my head, Nick, and you can totally dismiss and say that it's a, a bit stupid, but I want to throw names at you and I want you to tell me what you think will happen. Or, and then I want you to tell me maybe what you want to happen. So let's say Dorian Finney-Smith, we've just been discussing him. What do you think will happen? What do you want to happen? Uh, I think he will be traded and I want him to be traded, not because I don't like him as a player, just because I think he can land the Nets a real first round pick, you know, not necessarily, you know, a lottery pick or anything super high, but maybe something, you know, after post lottery, you know, something maybe in the early twenties where maybe you have a chance to swing on something, or maybe it's just a future pick down the line that could have value. One of those picks that could swing either way. That's only like top three or top eight protected. So I think DFS could do that. And I think you could get an okay role player back in a real first round pick. And I think that makes sense for this Nets team because they're not competing next season. Yeah. I'd be pretty you know, in line with, with what you're sort of thinking there now. You know, the, the ideal for me is OKC. Uh, I, I, just to reiterate my sort of thoughts there, it's about the nature of the deal. And I think them or the Lakers can provide some semblance of conversation that would allow the Nets to, to get out of that at a win. I think DFS is probably playing as well as he ever has as a Brooklyn Net, despite, you know, being injured now. But the way he's been shooting the ball and defending this season, you know, he's really bounced back after, you know, a, a bit of a poor three-point shooting season last year when he came to Brooklyn. No, he is the premier a three and D role player that's available in the market right now. And if you want him, you know, there, there's going to be a, a bidding war for him. And that should hopefully benefit the Nets in terms of what they get in return. Yeah. And I think it worked out for the Nets that, you know, the Raptors guys were already traded. You know, OG and Siakam traded early on. Now teams are looking to improve and make a splash. They're 
there's a maybe a sense of desperation because there's not necessarily a ton of options on the market. Royce O'Neill, Nick, what do you want to happen? What do you think will happen? Uh, this is a tough one. Um, it's it's really hard to predict here because I think he doesn't necessarily have a ton of value. And like you said, you land multiple second round picks with him. So uh, if the Nets, I think they end up keeping him. And I mean, I would prefer okay. prefer for maybe them to move him. But if the second round picks aren't great, then it's okay. Like I think he has value to the Nets. And I think there could be a chance that there is a level of extension at the end, especially if they're moving for Donovan Mitchell. You know, obviously, yeah. we know the relationship he has with Royce O'Neal. So that's something to play a part. And obviously, Royce, I think, is a good vet. And if you're only landing some, like, bad second-round picks that are, like, heavily protected or something like that, you know, maybe just keep them. Yeah, I was literally, you know, waiting for you to sort of say the Donovan Mitchell thing. And if you didn't, I would have pounced on that because I think that – there's been so much smoke around Donovan Mitchell and the Nets and Royce O'Neal and his relationship. Like, it's part of the reason why I'm like, man, maybe the Nets should retain DFS in case Luca becomes really disgruntled <laughs> in Dallas. That for me is something that I would prefer because one DFS is a better player uh, than than Royce O'Neal is. But yeah, that's probably far less likely and in a, a far more fanciful future. But yeah, I think Royce is more likely to stay given the fact that. He's just not as good a player. I don't think he has as much value now. If there are, as you alluded to, teams looking for multiple guys to increase in their rotation, like the Lakers, maybe that's something where you you get something like a Jalen Huchifino or you know Trey Mann or, or, or those sort of guys to sort of replace you know Royce O'Neal and, and what he could give the Nets. But yeah, it'll be intriguing to see whether Royce is on the the Nets come post trade deadline. Who's next, Jack? Uh, let's go with Spencer Dimwitty. He will be traded, and I want him to be traded. Uh, obviously, I've I've liked Spencer in his Nets career. This season has been pretty terrible, and obviously there's some stuff going on behind the scenes, and he's not happy with his role, relationships on the team, just an overall really bad vibe. So it's best for both parties for him to move on. I think he's going to start playing a lot better as soon as he's traded too, and I think that's going to be even more frustrating. But don't expect the Nets to really get much any much of anything for him, maybe second round picks, depending on the team. And if the Nets are taking back a bad contract, he'd be a guy that'd be great to pair with somebody else because it would add a little bit more value and provide more flexibility in the trade because there'd be more salary. How likely do you think this D'Lo DeJounte Spencer deal is that I've spoken about lately? Because we've heard strong, stronger murmurings of light that, you know, Quinn Snyder and, and yeah. some of the Atlanta brass want to retain a DeJounte Murray. D'Lo has been on an absolute yeah. heater, playing some of the best basketball of his career in Los Angeles. Spencer Dinwiddie probably isn't going to be a Brooklyn Met, but it's intriguing to see where that destination might be. Yeah, I mean, I think that trade probably has like a maybe a 25% chance of happening. You know, I think there's probably like a 50% chance that he's not traded to Jante Murray and then maybe a 25% chance he's traded to somewhere that's not the Lakers. You know, that could even potentially be the Nets. Um, but yeah, I would, the whole Dinwiddie thing, he could end up somewhere else too. You know, I think the Nets are pretty, you know, obvious in the sense of like, they want to get rid of him. He wants to be gone. It's not really good for the team for him to be around just because of the vibes that he's yeah. carrying right now. Yeah, it, it'll look. I'm, I'm there could be you know a, a team that pops up out of nowhere that's you know severe in their need of some point guard play. You know, maybe it's a Memphis, I don't know, or, but I don't. Uh, I think Golden State had interest where... at one point, um, in Spencer Dinwiddie as well. I don't know if it was this season or you know over the summer, but they could look to spice things up. I think 
You know, any team that has like Spencer Dimity for Kaminga. I'm all about that, Nick. <laughs> Give me that Spencer Dimity for Kaminga deal. So yeah, I mean, there's there's some different options. I mean, that could also be a package deal. Dorian Finney Smith and Spencer Dimity going out there. Maybe they send back like Chris Paul to match salary and you know, it hasn't necessarily been a super great fit out there. And he's an expire he has a what one year left on his deal after this too. So, you know, there's a it, it could pop up. You know, twenty million's not that crazy in terms of Spencer's deal. Nick Claxton. Oof. Man, this is a tough one. You know, I think we've definitely seen some more smoke uh, around the potential of Claxton being traded. And just because that smoke's increased, it gives you a feeling that the Nets aren't super confident in re-signing him. Or they're also not sure of his long-term fit. And if, I think if you're questioning that right now, and the season's not necessarily going to go well, I think... The Nets should probably trade him if they don't feel confident that he's going to resign or they want to resign him for his number. You don't want to, you know, lose a guy like that for nothing. So I think moving Claxton might be the right move for this team if the package is out there. You know, obviously he is an unexpiring deal, and you'd you'd need almost a handshake deal with this new team to really get good value. So it pains me to say, but I think moving him might be the right move if you're not confident you're going to resign him. Yeah, and look, we've seen in the past with Jared Allen and, and the way that Sean Marks value centers in terms of how they are, how they fit within the, the, the team building. But, you know, the report was from Mark Stein. I've heard more than once this week not to discount the idea that Brooklyn big man Nicholas Claxton could be more available over the next seven days than previously advertised. So I think that that's coming from not within the Nets, but that's coming from the fact that the Nets are contacting other people. That's what I'm. I get from that report, Nick, because I don't think the Nets want to have that out there. But Mark Stein is incredibly well connected to different sources. You know, especially like the, a team like the Dallas Mavericks. You know, OKC obviously have had their sort of links Houston's to him as had well. So in the past. Houston as well. So I think there's a market for Nick Claxton. It's going to be because you know we've heard Nick Claxton wants twenty, twenty-five million dollars, and does he deserve that? probably given today's sort of range, but how will that age and how will that allow you flexibility to go after other stars, which is what the Nets are you know, in the, the business and, and market of doing. So his Nick Claxton, Clax is his status is probably the most intriguing out of all the guys. And I could see many a different avenues happening. I think it's more, I'd say I'd give it slightly over 50, 50 that he does stay. But the more that I'm hearing, the the less uh, less likely I'm feeling that way. Yeah, it's almost 50-50. I think right now I'd say 60-40. But if we hear one more report, I'll start going you know, more. Uh, people had mentioned Memphis just moved on from Steven Adams. Maybe that's a, a team that could swing for him. Him and Jaron Jackson Jr. would be awesome. Dear and, Lord, that defense would be freaking insane. Yeah, I mean, they have to make up for a lot of like shortcomings from John Morant in terms of defense too. So it, it could work out pretty well for them. So uh, that'd be kind of fun. So it's on the table. I think there's a lot of teams that could trade for Clax because of his contract only being just under $10 million. Like, like almost any team in the league could find a way to make it match. It's just a matter of, do they have a first round pick? The Nets would want or something like that. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Nets landed something decent for Clax too. Obviously the expiring deal, but yeah, like I said, is... it would be a handshake almost that he's staying with that team. Yeah. Because obviously he wants to sign long-term and you're essentially signing up for him as a, a long-term prospect within your team. That's just why 
maybe there is a, a bit more of a market out there for him and the Nets need to to value him and go, okay, if these kind of guys want him, then if we keep him, restricted free agency could leave us in a tricky position. So a lot of things to consider with Nick Claxton compared to some of these other guys that I think makes him as a future net, a current net, uh, a tricky proposition to sort of analyze. I think also it's another way to look at it too is, you know, if you do retain him, you know that other teams have interest in him. You know, he's not a player that doesn't have value across the league. Obviously, if you sign him to an insane contract, he loses some value, but you're probably not going to do that. And I guess just quickly, you know, I think there's also worth mentioning that Lonnie Walker or Dennis Smith Jr. could also be moved. You know, I think a team could have interest in adding one of those guys. It would probably just be second round picks, but hey, if you can land something decent for a guy that you don't think you're going to bring back, do it. Yeah, I think the Bucks seem the most likely if it's Dennis Smith Jr. Like if you can, you know, they're in a desperate position right now. And if you can pounce on that desperation and get some quality seconds for him and then I'll, I'll maintain, you know, I want one of those two guys to be in that long term, preferably Lonnie Walker. I'm just a big fan of his. But in saying that, if you can pounce on another team's desperation, one of those sort of contending teams that really wants to bolster, you know, the depth in their rotation and the quality in their rotation, then you do it. And that shows, you know, that'd be a little tick on, on Sean Marks in the offseason that he did have last year. Yeah, uh, that especially. Yeah, if you get something for a guy you sign an event minimum, that's that's a plus regardless. But uh, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Obviously, we'll drop some drop a pod if we get a trade or multiple trades. We'll see how it all kind of plays out. Yeah, things could happen when this recording ends in the coming days after the Sixers game, before the Sixers game. Who knows what could happen, Nick? But something will happen with this Nets team. What yeah. it is that happens, we've discussed it about 14, 15, 16 different scenarios with so many different players. It's hard to know where the Nets will be, but the Nets will be a different team come post-trade deadline. Yeah, I would guarantee one move. I think it's likely we see two or three. Yep, I'd be on that bandwagon too. All right, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.